Welcome to Life Together, a podcast for Gresham Bible Church, where we exist to glorify God in being disciples who make disciples of all people through the transforming power of the gospel. On this episode, we discuss biblical theology, what it is and why it matters for each of us as individual Christians and for us corporately as a local church. Whether you're already familiar with biblical theology or it's something you haven't thought much about before, I'd encourage you to lean into this conversation because biblical theology is a life giving reality, and it's an important foundation and framework for our ministry as Gresham Bible Church. I hope you find this discussion helpful as we seek to be a church who understands our story in the big story of God's Word. Bible Church. On this week's episode, we're going to have a conversation about biblical theology. We've had our first adult Sunday school education class about biblical theology with Todd and thought it'd be great to have a conversation on the podcast just to help us continuing to grow and learn um, about biblical theology. So that's my super exciting, engaging lead in. So, so Todd, why don't you help us? Maybe someone's never heard of biblical theology before, right? Yeah. How would you help us understand what it is? Well, at one level, biblical theology is just the theology of the Bible. And some people might use the term biblical theology to think we need, we need a theology that is biblical, that submits to the authority of the Bible and is 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 faithful, and and I affirm all of that. Uh, but when we right now are talking about biblical theology, and and in our and in our class, we're thinking about something a little more narrow than that, um, where biblical theology is the theology that is developed in the Bible itself and only in the Bible itself. And and maybe the best way to describe it is to contrast it with what most people think theology is. Okay. For for most people when they think about theology, they're really thinking about something we call systematic theology. And systematic theology you can buy books, tomes, <laughs> the, 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 probably the most famous theological writings are all systematic mm-hmm. theology. Um, so what, what are those? Well, they, they are um, people asking the really significant questions about life and faith and what the church ought to believe and, and that that sort of thing. I, I, I really like John Frame's definition of systematic theology. He says it's, it's, it, it is all of God's powerful self-revealing word applied to life's ultimate questions. Hmm. Right. So, hmm. and, and that powerful self-revealing word, it goes way beyond uh, just the Bible right? Uh, All of the Bible is God's word, but not all of God's word, not all of God's truth is contained in in the Bible, Mm -hmm. if that that makes Mm -hmm. sense. And, And in systematic theology, what we're trying to do is we are trying to 
ask and then answer the most important questions about life, uh, the, the, the worldview, meaning-making questions, the, the, the kind of questions that the author, Solomon, I take it, of Ecclesiastes was, was asking and ruminating about what's the nature of life, what's wrong with this world, where do I find meaning, where do I find significance, um, those kinds of questions. How, how ought I to behave mm-hmm. in light of who am I and what's the nature of reality and what's the nature of truth and how do I know what I know and all those kinds of questions. Those are all philosophical questions, but they're all theological questions. And so in, in systematic theology, we are bringing to bear truth wherever we can find it. And, and, and hopefully Christian systematic theology, we're privileging the Bible all the time right. and, and, and we're submitting all of the different truth that we find out there to the test, to a biblical test does this line up with what we find in the Bible? And, but, but, but we'll go to history, we'll go to archaeology, we'll go to psychology, we'll go to experience, all the different places that, that we think we, uh, from which we, we know things and, and, and we apply it to life's ultimate questions. And, and, and so I said two, I said a lot of words, but maybe only two <laughs> significant things there. One is uh, we bring questions to the text. We bring questions to the text uh, or to, to the, the issue of systematic theology. And then we're going to go to all sources of truth in order to answer those questions, mm-hmm. privileging the Bible. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's systematic theology. And the great tomes in theology, as I said before, they were probably all systematic theologies. Calvin's Institutes, the Thomas Aquinas' Summa, or, you know, all of these are systematic theologies. Um, Biblical theology, which is what we're here to talk about, it's it, it's 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 upstream just a little bit of that's, of systematic theology. It, yeah. It's it, it is the step before systematic theology, yeah. if you will. Um, and and in that, just to contrast with those two significant things I said in biblical theology, we're not bringing questions to the text per se. We are letting the Bible. Ask the questions mm. in the Bible's own time at the Bible's own pace, right? Um, and then, second, we're only looking at the Bible. Yeah. And so, a biblical theology is is going to be limited to the scriptures, and it's going to pay close attention to the Bible's presentation of itself. This mm. this great story of the Bible, creation, fall, redemption, consummation, all of that makes up the storyline of the Bible. And there's there's contours is the word that I use a lot. There's contours to this storyline. It's it's not like a steady stream of 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 revelation across mm-hmm. time, but there's there's periods where God doesn't appear to say much at all. Hmm. Um, you know, as Bible readers, we, it's of course, all of the Bible is God's word and we start reading and it, and it sure seems like from creation all the way to Jesus, there was this steady stream of God speaking and revealing things. But when we actually look at it, we realize, oh, that's not the case that, that there were long periods of time where God said very little or did, did very little, you know, of the, of course he's always doing things, right. but, um, and but then the, the punctuated though in that time period by 
cataclysmic events and powerful speech. And most of the time, those are like the big covenants that God makes with his people. And those, those change things for everybody. And, and I, like, I like to call those the contours of, of redemptive history. And, and what we do in biblical theology is we're just going on a journey across the contours, up and down through this. And we're, we're paying attention as we go to what the Bible has to say in the way that the Bible says it. And um, I, I mentioned earlier that, you know, we, we let the Bible ask the questions. Of course, we're, we're paying attention to the Bible, but, but we have to come up with those questions. But they're, they're questions that kind of organically flow from the text. And, and so say we want to know something about, um, well, let, very practical. Let's, let's say, you know, you're re- hearing in the news about stem cell research and maybe a stem cells transplant or, or whatever. And mm-hmm. we think, is this the right thing to do? Should, should I do that? Yeah. And, 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 and you say, let's go to the Bible. That's, that's what Christians do. We go to the Bible and you go to your concordance and there's nothing <laughs> in there about stem cells. And, um, but, it, but you're probably thinking to yourself, well, but I'll bet God cares because I've heard some stuff about, you know, mm-hmm. where stem cells come from that that could have, you know, is it just coming from my own blood or is it from from, from aborted fetuses mm-hmm. or something like that? that? That seems like it's not just a gray area at this point. There's some, there's some right and wrongness to this whole thing. Still, how am I supposed to think about it? So I'll bet God cares, even though it's not on in the Bible itself. And, and that's where systematic theology steps in is, is we we. we go and we find as much truth as we can and we we privilege the bible and 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 then we come up with an answer but from a biblical theological standpoint we there is no biblical theology of stem cell Um, but there might be a biblical theology of things that will have significant impact on our systematic theology of of stem cell research or stem Mm -hmm. cell transplants um, you know, like, well, life is certainly important. Um, <laughs> and that we could do a biblical theology of life, but we're probably going to start at Genesis and we're going to work our way through and just kind of look and see how the Bible presents what a human life actually is. And we're going to go on yeah. this journey from Genesis all the way to Revelation. And we're going to start way back at the beginning, uh, before there was sin and, and look at, at what life was. And then we'll look at, at at the fall in Genesis three, we're only three chapters into the Bible now, but that changes things for everybody. Mm-hmm. And 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 we don't we don't live in a Genesis one or two world. We we don't live in Eden. Um, if if the Blazers get the draft lottery number one pick tonight, I might say this is getting pretty close. But or to or or, or maybe that's just Esca, like the new heavens uh, and new earth. But yeah. anyway, we, we don't live in Eden anymore. But we live in a world where Genesis one and two is foundational to it. It's it's the world that God created. And then, but then sin happens and, 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 and we live in this, we live in this broken world where sin is a part of it. And so we have to pay close attention to what the fall did to human life. And so we're still going on this journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but, but we don't live in Eden at the mm-hmm. moment where Adam and Eve sinned or at the moment when the serpent was being cursed. We're way downstream of that, but we, but our world is a world that is, has been heavily affected by that Genesis three fall. It's, Mm -hmm. it's part of our story and we have to take that into consideration. And so what does the fall have to do with human life? Um, and then we think about what, about what God, God is doing in redemption. And in the Bible that takes us from like Genesis three fifteen all the way to, uh, pretty close to the end of it. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, and we see what God 
has promised and what he did do and what it took uh, for for sinners to be reconciled to God, and that tells us an awful lot about life along the way. And mm-hmm. um, and and then we look at our destiny at the very end in the, in the fourth act, the consummation of all things, and and that's going to inform this biblical theology of life. But we go on this big journey, um, and and that's really what biblical theology is. And I just talked for like ten or fifteen minutes Man. right there. Um, well, you planted some. <laughs> Uh, thoughts or questions in my mind of the biblical theology of competition or sport when you mentioned yeah, the Blazers. Go. So I'm going to go do my homework on that. So, uh, yeah, no, thank you. How about uh, there's so well, many... there's plenty in the Bible there. It, it should not be lost on any of us that John thought it was really important that we all know that he was a faster runner than Peter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, or that Paul uh, attended Olympic events. Yeah. And so there's there's and yes. plenty there. I love it. I there. love it. Okay, yeah. good. How about help us like paint a brief picture for us on the history of biblical theology. So it's the theology of the Bible. Yeah. We'll maybe go there in a minute of how the Bible proves that, Mm -hmm. but even just give us the historical backdrop, like how long has it been around some key influencers in that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, this, this whole idea of a drama, uh, of a storyline to the Bible, I, I, I think that was kind of how people understood it without having to pick up a book and, and yeah. read it. Um, we're, we see how Jesus interacts with the Pharisees, for example. He's always calling people back to mm-hmm. the beginning and how things started. And then he's got an answer for all the questions that were thrown at him, having something to do with well, you remember that part of the story, that part of the true story, which is our story. You know, the, the reason why Moses gave divorce was because and he, of the hardness of human hearts and, and such. So, so Jesus was always going back. Um, and he wasn't going back like the, the Old Testament was an encyclopedia of God facts, and they just hadn't looked up the right God fact. Mm-hmm. He was appealing to their sense of identity. This was our, this was and is our story, right? So, uh, of course, I have to say the father of biblical theology would be Jesus. Um, <laughs> Good answer. Post, <laughs> post that, there was a, a second century bishop of Leon, Leon. L-Y-O-N, whatever the French is, okay. named Irenaeus. And he was arguing a lot with this heretical group called the Gnostics. And they had a creation story of their own and all sorts of cr- wild stuff. And Irenaeus investigated all of it. But when it came time to critique them, he told about this this drama of the biblical storyline and how the Gnostic worldview just doesn't fit into the biblical storyline. Mm-hmm. And so you could make the case that Irenaeus was maybe the father of biblical mm-hmm. theology because his, uh, a lot of people look at him as maybe one of the first systematic theologians, but but his, his big works, um, I think he even called one like the, the apostolic preaching of the cross, but it's really just a, this is the story of the Bible. Wow. Um, so it's, it's been around since at least that time. There was a point in time where a guy named uh, Johann Gobbler in the early 1800s, late, late 1700s, um, 
try to address an issue uh, with the church where the the academy was pumping out a whole bunch of people who really didn't believe the Bible and it was creating a problem. There's what the church is supposed to believe and then there's what people were saying the Bible said mm -hmm. and it was created, there was a big gulf there yeah. uh, because all the Bible scholars knew what the church was supposed to teach, but they weren't thinking that the Bible said that at all. And oh. they, they had lost a whole bunch of the, the categories for right biblical reading. And, um, and so Gobbler said, hey, we need a biblical theology to help bridge this gap. And everybody got really excited about it. But all those biblical scholars, they, they didn't have the right presuppositions to do biblical theology. They didn't believe in the inspiration of the Bible. Yeah. Therefore, there was no way you can actually do a coherent theology of the Bible or a story of the Bible. They, they looked at the Bible more as like a description of what ancient Israelites believed more than uh, a, a coherent story mm -hmm. that obligated them to believe something. Wow. Um, and uh, so Gobbler's idea was just stillborn because um, it's it stratified into New Testament theology and Old Testament theology. And pretty soon you just had theologies of ind individual authors. Wow. Um, and that's the best the academy could do when you don't believe in the inspiration of the, of the scriptures. Yeah. And then, of course, the, the, the more recent father of biblical theology, the one who probably had the most to do with it was a, was a guy named Gerhardus Voss. Um, These guys have all the best names. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. it helps be Dutch, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it does, yeah. it does. And uh, so he, he really, it, he, he was way ahead of his time, I think. Nobody really knew what he was talking about. But in the last 30 or 40 years, people are like reading Voss now and saying, oh, this is what he meant. Mm -hmm. And they're trying to employ it very powerfully, not not just as an aid to systematic theology, but it, which Voss had always been, but as a, a discipline in itself. Mm -hmm. And so there are, are longtime evangelical schools that have, you would think that they would have been big on biblical theology forever, but but um, only recently have they added like degrees in biblical theology. Mm -hmm. You could get an Old Testament degree or a New Testament degree or a systematic theology degree, but now you can get degrees in biblical theology. And, mm -hmm. and, and that's very, very recent, huh. very recent. This is all kind of, it, it feels yeah. a little bit cutting edge. Yeah. What would you say? It's hard to get perspective in the moment, but from your vantage point, teaching at a seminary, et cetera, yeah. what are some of those factors that are influencing biblical theology, kind of the movement, the appetite for it that maybe wasn't there a generation or so well, ago? I, I, I think that people are seeing the the benefit of it. Um, okay. So like if, if, if I were to ask you, you guys here, um, what are the three most important things in biblical interpretation? What would be the answer? This is a guess what Todd is thinking question. Um, Mike's pointing to me. I, I will say All right. God's word is true. Oh, it is okay. God's word. <laughs> okay, sorry. That's that was a guess what answer. Todd is thinking question. Yeah. Let me put it this way. What are the three most important things in real estate? Location, 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 location. Yeah. And so what are the three most important things in, in biblical oh, interpretation? Oh, I gotcha. Okay. Context, 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 yeah. Yeah. which is really okay. just another way of saying location, location, yeah. location, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Context drives interpretation. That's that's intuitively obvious and, it's, it, and it has been formalized in all of our classes on b biblical interpretation. Um, well, what's, what's biblical theology? But it's just taking into consideration how the whole story 
the whole Bible impacts any particular verse along the way. Mm -hmm. And and so I, I think people are going, yeah, I've actually believed this the whole time. I just haven't thought about what the mm -hmm. biblical storyline is. I haven't even, yeah. even thought in those terms, maybe because w when you say storyline, it makes it sound like, like it's a fable or right. false or something. But it, no, it's a story. The Bible, it's a true story. It's a true story. Um, but it's a story. It has a, you know, it has characters and setting and plot and, and all the things that a good narrative would have um, with incredibly important implications yes. right the most important ones um so i think there's that i i think um I, i'm just kind of oh yeah i was just this, curious this off the top of my yeah. head some ideas here um at western seminary where i teach we had been teaching a class on biblical theology um a, another professor and i started a class on biblical theology and it was just an elective and the students who took it on the evaluations, course evaluations, without exception, every semester, there was a majority of them who said something along the lines of, this was the best class I ever took at Western Seminary. Wow. I wish I would have taken this class my very first semester. Hmm. And why is this not a required class? Hmm. And interesting. So then when we redid our curriculum and talked to people, that was where we had focus groups of like graduates and pastors and that sort of thing looking at our curriculum and we we made two or three significant changes and one of those was we added biblical theology because i think there's this appetite for it now it's it's kind of become a thing and where i i can't think of an analogy but where like something's a thing and you wonder why it wasn't always a oh, yeah. thing. Oh, yeah. It's, it's like, why, this seems so obvious. Mm -hmm. yep. So it, it's really kind of become the the part two of, of our How to Interpret the Bible series. Yeah, interesting. Um, from a pastoral standpoint, I would say that I know when I preach and, and I can do anything intertextual where I can be preaching from say Galatians and then show how what Paul is saying in the year, you know, 50 AD on this side of the cross is backed up and totally consistent with what Moses wrote 1400 years earlier, but it's just kind of slots in nicely in the story mm -hmm. that the people of God, their eyes light up and it's like, this is our story mm -hmm. and the Bible's true and it makes incredible sense and i knew it and, and your, your eyes just light up yeah um so i think people see that and then uh, apologetically as well i i would say um okay this is gonna air after the class on sunday right yes okay so i'm gonna use this this illustration in class but i think it's very telling um I can't even, I might've even shared it with you. I might even share it on a podcast. Like I said, I, I've only got like three or four stories. Uh, one, one, I, I, my wife and I, when we first moved to Portland, we're at our, our local church and we were teaching a fourth grade Sunday school class. And um, for whatever reason, I can't even remember what we were teaching, but I do remember I thought I'm going to have a quiz. And I gave, and, and I put five names up on a whiteboard. And those names were Moses, David, Abraham, Jesus, and Adam. Hmm. Okay, so those five. Moses, David, Abraham, Jesus, Adam. And I asked the class of fourth graders, um, put these in chronological order. What order do they come in? And th these are these are kids that had grown up at our local at, at this mm -hmm. local church that is 
that had always prided itself on being very Bible centered and preaching and teaching and really strong Sunday school classes for kids. And all of these kids, I mean, you know, were, had grown up at the church for the most part. They, they weren't like, you know, street ur- urchins that we brought in, you know, to try to teach them how to read like what Sunday school was yeah. developed for, started out for. Only two of the 14 kids wow. were able to put those five people in order. And, and then, um, um, oh, what's important about this is that every single one of those kids had grown up in the church and they could have told you story after story after story about each one of those five Mm -hmm. characters, but they just didn't know how it all fit together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I think most of them got Adam first. That made sense. But after that, uh, you know, yeah. Hasn't Jesus always existed? Yeah, they, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, the God Man. No, yes, uh, right. the, the Son. Yes, the Son. Uh, Jesus is the God. Yeah. So, now, what does that? What does that mean? Is that in in our young people's minds, the Bible was a collection yeah. of kind of cool stories, usually moral fables. Hmm. Now, you equip your your students to have that idea of the Bible. That the, that the scriptures are a collection of, of moral fables, and then you send them off to university. You can have an antagonistic towards Christianity professor who might throw out the weakest argument against the faith. And it's and, and if all of our if, if all we have in our arsenal is the Bible is a collection of moral fables on yep. the right way to live, then it's not going to take much to to kind of erode that foundation away. Wow, that's a great point, Tom. Um, but a good biblical theology will tell us, no, this this is a worldview, and 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 it's important that Abraham come before Moses, and that Abraham come after Adam mm-hmm. in the development of the story, and then David comes after Moses, and Jesus comes after David. Right? There's an order to that that makes sense. We call that redemptive history, mm-hmm. but we could also call it. Mm-hmm. the biblical theological order and and what we have is is, is an incredible storyline that is our story it's a true story it tells us who we are it, it it tells us how things once were what's wrong with the world what's wrong with me what it takes to 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 fix me and it tells us of a glorious and future Amen. destiny that that is our story i love and, just even right now you're like beaming with joy and <laughs> conviction talking about biblical <laughs> theology this is awesome yeah. i love this yes in, in my monotone voice no it is it's it, 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 how much better equipped would our would our would our people be if they had that understanding? Amen. Um, it, there's there's so many criticisms against the Christian faith to where if, if we think of Christianity as a list of do's and don'ts, or these are certain dogmas that I'm supposed to believe, and and that and that's all we have, but we don't understand how those dogmas, which we have to believe, which are vitally important, right? Those are vitally important, but but. But where did those come from? They weren't yes. just imposed on us as you have to believe this thing. You know, like Alice in Wonderland, believe five ridiculous things before breakfast or whatever, seven or however ah, many she was yeah. supposed to believe. The Queen of Hearts. Um, no, the, these that that there's an organic nature to Christian theology that has to do with this powerful God who is the creator and he revealed himself in time and space as, as he moves redemptive history along so he can reconcile the people to himself. And, 
Um, and, and then we're part of that incredible story and, and it makes sense. Yes. The Bible just makes sense and it makes more sense than anything else out there. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. How would you say, I love this conversation. Uh, yeah. (laughs) That was awesome. How would you say, what would you tell a GBC or someone who's maybe, um, just coming to faith in Jesus Christ, or maybe a younger person who's just starting to kind of grow in their faith and say, okay, Todd, that's all well and good. Give me a biblical example of how the Bible understands itself to prove your point about biblical theology. Like, is there yeah. a passage you would say, hey, go here and just enjoy the, the implications of this? Well, I, I guess the, the one, the, it's when I started the biblical theology class with in Luke 24, yeah. where um, the, the, the the disciples on the road to Emmaus and probably and all of them are at this crisis moment where everything that they thought they believed, well, everything they did believe was kind of crashing down on them. It felt like an epic failure. It felt like for three years they'd been following this guy and they thought he was the one. And then he just gets kind of pathetically tacked to a Roman cross, mm-hmm. ignominiously, vilely, cruelly, with, and there was no... <laughs> It, it just it just like boom it's over yeah. before it even begins and it's like what on earth happened is totally disorienting all that and then so a couple of them are going back to Emmaus to I don't know get on with their lives I guess because they and and, and you know th- there were some rumors going around that Jesus had risen from the dead but I mean come on who actually rises from the dead and it wasn't you know he he just appeared to some women and they you know I, I don't know. Are you supposed to even believe them or you know, that kind of thing? Uh, they, they they amazed us the by saying this, but they clearly didn't believe it because they're they're leaving. Yeah, they're, they don't know what to make of it though. They're totally disoriented. And, and then Jesus shows up to talk with them along the road, and their eyes were kept from seeing him. And and he he. he he, they, well, I, I, you can read Luke twenty four, but uh, Jesus answers their questions. The 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 searching, disorienting questions that they had, he answers them by saying, "How how foolish you are! How slow to believe all that the prophets." And Moses said, and, 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 and then he, he, he takes them on this biblical theological journey to sh- prove to them that it was necessary, that everything they thought was disorienting was all going according to plan. And it was the most meaning-making, sense-making event in all of human history, even though at the moment it felt cataclysmic and disorienting. But when they gained perspective on it, they thought this just slots right in and it mm-hmm. makes sense of everything good in the world and everything bad in the world and everything mm-hmm. in between. And and Jesus is the answer to that. And it has and it always been that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, it had been, pl- that had been the plan from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and not not a nefarious scheme by someone trying to undermine God, but it was our Creator God's plan from the very beginning. He's in charge of this entire deal. He created us. He created the world. He created us to know something of the world, and mm-hmm. um, and 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 that's the story that the Bible tells. And 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 it can get easy to get lost in the weeds of what Israelite king and what Levitical law. But those Israelite kings matter because they're part of this very significant story, not because we have to be masters in ancient Near East history or mm-hmm. or the Levitical cultic pr- 
practices, that sort of thing. But because those things were set up intentionally to drive the story along. And, and it's, and it's not just this arcane story about these crazy people live back there, but it really has now become part of our story. Yes. It, it tells us who we are and it tells us who we are with more clarity and more sense than any competing worldview out there. Amen. Amen. So, anyway, there's, I, now I'm just repeating myself. I love it. Luke 24. Yes. Uh, how about, I've just been thinking about this question. Mm-hmm. Um, I love biblical theology. I think our church does. I'm so thankful. Jordan Student Ministries mm-hmm. teaches the Bible from a biblical theology standpoint. Mm-hmm. Our children's Amen. ministry it does it that way. Like, I'm so thankful for biblical theology. And I pray we're, we're raising up mm-hmm. the next generation uh, to, to love biblical theology as well. I, I was curious to ask you, why do you think biblical theology matters like for the Christian in the life of the local church, but then maybe even like help walk us there by how is it, you know, benefited you in your walk with Jesus? Like you teach it, but yeah. maybe like just help, help us appreciate, understand this is really important stuff. Yeah. So I, part, part of my own testimony is growing up in the church, but um, you know, maybe not always going to the best teaching churches. I don't, I didn't really know what discipleship was or my parents did the best they could, but they were both first generation believers. I Mm -hmm. I think I've shared that story here. And, uh, and, and I, I loved Sunday school. I loved the Bible stories. I really did. I, I, of course I grew up in the era of flannel graph Jesus. Some of my earliest (laughs) memories of my mom who always taught Sunday school was when she would get the new curriculum and she would be cutting out all those flannel graphs. And I remember my mom doing that. And, uh, and, and just getting excited when I would see like Goliath and David and you'd you'd put the little Brad in, in David's shoulder and his arm would move, you know, (laughs) like the closest thing we had to special effects back, back in the seventies. And, um, so, and I loved those stories and I loved Bible baseball, the trivia games, that sort of thing. I, I was all in and I had no idea how it all fit together. Yeah. And the, the, the problem was, was so then I, I met this, I think I might've told you this too earlier, but I, I met this girl, uh, in eighth grade and we became pretty good friends and, she would write notes. She and she and another girl would. We had a really good group of friends there, and and they they would the notes that were passed on to us and the signs that were put up on our lockers and stuff would have these Bible verses on it. This just seemed very applicable, wow. and it's like I didn't know that was in the Bible. I, I I mean, if you ask me, you know, how many stones David took to kill Goliath, I could, or how many he had and all that, I, I could answer that. But but actually applying the scriptures, mm-hmm. it was, mm-hmm. I, and it, it became it became very obvious to me as a, as a high school student that 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 I knew the Bible from a trivia standpoint, but I didn't really know the author of the Bible very well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 wow. and I was genuinely saved. I, I really believe that. Um, I, I went away to, to, to Oregon State committed to, to getting to know the Lord better. Mm-hmm. I, I knew there had to be more to the Christian faith than what I was experiencing. And um, I, I just remember at one point, and I can't even remember what study we were doing or if I read anything, but there was one point where it's like the light went on and suddenly all of these disconnected stories, they started to connect for me. Wow. And, and then the Bible just made sense. Um, and maybe a good example of this was like, try to read 
a novel like like Les Misrab or 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 any like or or like Lord of the Rings, um, but probably more complicated even than Lord of the Rings, <laughs> uh, to where all you have are piecemeal stories along the way. And, you know, there's a time where Aragorn did this, and there was a time where where Frodo said that, and there was a time where Legolas did this, and 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 Boromir dies is and but you don't have any idea about the flow or how it's actually connecting. You might have a general idea that Jesus shows up, you know, somewhere downstream of yeah. of Moses, but but you know, what do these Israelite kings have to do with anything? And what is the Levitical law? And, oh, yeah. what, what what is all this? How does it fit together? And and it's some point the light just went on for me and my Bible reading changed forever. And I would say that my life changed in a significant way, um, in, in the most important ways from, Mm. and I know that that's, that's just my, my own testimony this, but, but I suspect for everybody, there's something like that. Oh yeah. So do you think we should probably be reading our old Testament and not just the gospels and Paul's letters to yes, I do have a that. firm understanding of the well, Bible. I, leading well, question. <laughs> more than that, I would say that if Jesus were sitting right here, he, he would say, what a foolish question. Of I, course. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Of course, because that's how, how did Jesus answer? Now, granted, he didn't have the gospels and, and he was and, living them. He, yeah. he's, he's living the gospels. The New Testament letters not been written, but, but it, to, to the most significant questions, he took people back. Yes. He always took people back. Um, and, and so, yeah, I mean, we're, as a church, GBC, we're, we're, we're all new covenant believers. We're, we're not old covenant anything, but that old covenant is a vital part of our story. Yes. It's a vital part of our story. And, and, and I think, well, <laughs> ask this, how much sense would the Bible make without Genesis? I mean, it, <laughs> yeah. Imagine a Bible with no Genesis. Yeah. I, I think I could make an argument that Genesis is, is the most important book in the Bible. Sure. Because hmm. nothing, the, yeah. I've, we don't, I've, all of the most important themes are, are found right there. Mm-hmm. And, and our, it, it's all the origin story. I mean, that's, that's Genesis, right? So if, if that's the case, yep. then it's just a matter of like, it's still true. It, may, it might not be quite as vital. I mean, I, I wouldn't say that Habakkuk is as important as Genesis. Hey, oh, I love Habakkuk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I preached on it a year and a half ago. Yes. <laughs> um, all right. Okay. Uh, Amos. Uh, Obadiah. Uh, all right. Obadiah. I'll take, I'll take Obadiah. Fine. Who cares yeah. about those Edomites uh, anyway? Right? Going good down riddance. the draft board. <laughs> yeah. Good riddance to the Edomites. Uh, yeah. You did it. your thing, Obadiah. Good enough. Yeah. It, so, but, um, but Obadiah is still part of our story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when my daughter was younger, we had a whole bunch of videotapes. She was, you know, our daughter is the oldest and there were a whole bunch of videos of her and she called them Nan videos. Her, <laughs> her name's Natalie. We, the, our family calls her Nan. Um, cause that's what she, that was how she called herself. Mm-hmm. But, and, and our family videos were Nan videos. Mm. And, and whereas there's always the kids who want to say, tell me the story of, tell me the story of, tell me, and, and yeah. something about their growing up. Something. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the old Testament are, or is our our Nan videos, right? Mm-hmm. They're, 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 they're our story. It's the story of our origins. And, and I'm not trying to make that in any sort of mythological sense as though it doesn't really happen. It's just the story we tell ourselves, but it's, uh, yeah. Well, even as we're going through Galatians right now, there's biblical theology happening all over the place that if you don't realize it, we're doing it of, we are, aren't we? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We've already looked at, well, we're not under the law anymore that the promised Abraham came before Moses. You have to have biblical theology to know that. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's, 
Paul can't make any of his arguments unless you have a biblical theology of the order of the story. You're right. Well said. And Amen. and his his yeah, you're right. His his arguments are biblical theological. Yeah. And and even though he makes a variety of different kinds of arguments, they they all almost all of them share a biblical theological. Like this is the story of redemption yeah. and yeah. we're down here. Yep. Yep. And and Abraham was here and Moses was later. Moses was downstream. That matters. Mm-hmm. I mean, he hinges one of his entire arguments on the fact that that Moses came after Abraham, mm-hmm. that the promise to Abraham came first. Well, that's that's biblical theology right yeah, there. Yeah, it presupposes so much stuff. Yeah, if mm-hmm. someone's newer to Gresham Bible Church, like our podcast, we talk about it being timely and timeless. So sometimes we're going to talk about more time-oriented things, but this is a conversation that's timeless, and it helps give, uh, for someone who's newer to our church, uh, a framework to understand kind of maybe why we do some certain things the way we do it. For example, um, seeking to preach the full counsel of God, preaching from both Testament Estimates from yeah. different mm-hmm. genres, etc., because it's ultimately one story pointing us to Jesus. And so it's not just to build biblical knowledge in our church. Oh, great. Mm-hmm. We get to listen to a message on this Old Testament area. It's because it's ultimately all about um, mm-hmm. Jesus. And so anyway, don't want to assume right. that and, either. Yeah. And yeah. we're preaching through Deuteronomy. Amen. Yeah. And, in the well, fall, we're going to. For these exactly. convictional reasons, yes. it's important. Amen. Yeah. Old Testament matters. <laughs> so would yes. you say the three... Like big components of biblical theology is is the order of the story. Yeah. Um, would you put the covenants in there? I mean, that has to be yes. the order of the story, but yeah. even the order of the covenants and what those are pointing mm-hmm. to and represent. Yeah. Yeah. It, it the covenants are just agreements or contracts that God makes with people, and and those are those are deal making. Those are paradigm shifting, cataclysmic mm-hmm. in a positive sense. Uh, like everything changes for everybody when when God makes a, a covenant, and and so the, the the covenants I would argue are really kind of the skeleton on mm-hmm. on which the flesh of biblical theology mm-hmm. hangs. And so in the biblical theology class, we're actually going to spend two weeks looking at the different covenants uh, in order, and there's an order to them that yeah. makes sense. Mm-hmm. That's good. And then the third part would be, as you just said, Mike, of how it's all pointing to Jesus, which is yeah. what he does in Luke 24. Yep, that you can't. If you don't have a good biblical theology, you can't see how each, I mean, it's not like literally every verse has Jesus in there, but mm-hmm. the, the movements of it are yes. all yes. pointing to him, which yeah. he himself says. Yeah. yeah, I can't remember if I shared this illustration too, but to me, biblical theology is kind of like the mall map of no i haven't you heard me that say before that? i love mall maps <laughs> i've heard you use this but yeah, i don't know where I think I heard so. it. Yeah. I, I, I anyway it, like like the only time i ever it, like i it's not like my wife likes to go to malls but every now and then we'll, <laughs> we'll go and and for me it, it's a successful mall trip if, if we find cinnabon um <laughs> that's it and so the first Amen. thing i'm looking for the first thing i look for when i get to a mall is i, I look for the mall map and i look for <laughs> where's cinnabon well for me uh cinnabon is to a mall what Jesus Christ is to <laughs> biblical theology, <laughs> right? So, oh, um, I'm so going to quote you on that. Yes. Oh, okay. Taste and see that the Lord yeah. is good. And so I go to that map and, and, and I, you know, you have to look up Cinnabon. Ah, oh, yes, there is a Cinnabon here. I was hoping. And, well, nowadays you have to hope that it hasn't been closed down. Yeah, right. right. But yeah, there's Cinnabon. And so, you know, it's a G6 or whatever. And you, you know, pull out your battleship skills and you, you find, <laughs> you, you find Cinnabon there. But what good does that do you? And you, you got to look for that arrow that says you are here. Yeah. 
right? Yep. Well, that's what biblical theology does. It, it, it's, it, it's that arrow that says you are here. We always want to ask, where are we at in this story? And, and if we can figure out from any biblical text where we're at in the story, then we can find our way to Jesus hmm. eventually. And, and, it, and, and there's lots of different ways to get to Jesus. We'll talk about this, I think, in the last biblical theology class. Lots of different ways to get to Jesus. But one of the simplest ways is this is the story of redemption. And so this place that we're at in the Old Testament right now, that you are here, eventually is going to move us along to Jesus. And, and so where we're at in the story of whatever Old Testament text is a vital part of the story, even if you don't have a some prophetic word that talks about you know Jesus being yeah. born in Bethlehem or, or a, a, a lamb crucified or by his stripes we are healed mm-hmm. or you know, that sort of thing. So good. Yeah. How about we could talk about this for a long time. I love this discussion and not just because of Cinnabon, but um, that's part <laughs> of it. Always bring up food. <laughs> yeah. when we record yes, episodes. we do. And specifically cinnamon rolls. <laughs> yeah. um, yes. How about for someone who is just, you know, getting familiar with biblical theology, or maybe mm-hmm. even they want to like take the next step and better understanding it. I'm a nerd. It's summertime. Summertime is made for <laughs> barbecues and summer reading, right? So what yeah. maybe resources would you encourage someone? Hey, read this if you want to better understand it. Sure. Uh, we'll put some, uh, we'll get some titles in the show notes, yes. right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I'm going to describe the books. There's Graham Goldsworthy's According to Plan. I, I think that's a that's probably a very basic one. Um, I, I did mention in church the Catherine Voss, uh, mm-hmm. Jesus story bible or whatever it's called i can't even remember the name of it but um my wife may have ordered that on amazon while you were wait, preaching that's okay yes good. Yeah. yes yes i you know what uh i came home and that night my wife decided we're gonna read this every night and really? so if we've oh, been that <laughs> so i got my t- my my eighth grader my freshman and my junior in high school oh, they awesome. to listen to their mom read the jesus <laughs> the, the the story bible um yeah, yeah, I think Catherine Voss, the, the wife of Gerhardus Voss, who I mentioned mm-hmm. earlier, um, she does a magnificent job of connecting mm-hmm. the dots in in that. Um, there's there's a book by Steve Wellam, and I can't remember what that one's called. I recommended it, um, and, but we'll put it in in the notes. I, I think that's a that's the one I use at the seminary right okay. now. Um, uh, D. A. Carson has a book on it's called like the story of God or something like uh-huh. that. Um, I'll get that to you. fourteen talks that he did at a secular campus uh, to te- to describe to a bunch of unbelievers and agnostics what what the Bible is and how wow. it coheres together. Mm-hmm. Um, and and he th- that's really kind of a biblical theology. It, it's it, you know he, he doesn't talk about the canon and the formation of the canon or anything like that. He just says this is how the Bible's put together. Uh, so I think that's very valuable. And Carson's always really good. Yeah. Um, and, and it was meant to be evangelistic. Okay. Uh, th- those are a few. Well, uh, I, I can give a couple more. Yeah, we'll that would be them. great. Thank you. Yes. I just want to help us as a church continue to grow in this. And honestly, my mind's just going to the second generation of GBC, probably thinking about some of my, my own kids, right? Yeah. Who are getting ready to launch and go off to university or otherwise I, I pray um, those that grow up in our church, so to speak, really have a strong appreciation for biblical theology and why it matters. Um, so anyway, great conversation. All right, Gresham Bible Church, hope this has been helpful. If this brings up any questions, comments, etc., check out for sure the show notes and those resources. Reach out to Todd for a conversation. Swing by the office for a conversation. Want to continue 
continue to talk about and help us as a church continue to grow into uh, loving God's word and God's ways. And so biblical theology uh, fits into that. So you can reach out to me. That's at Mike at Gresham Bible dot org. Until next time. Thanks.